Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your New Comics Wednesday episode for September 27th, 2022. Jay and I were just talking before we started recording about how last week was kind of a, a down week, just a number of books. Not that there weren't some great books, because there were some great books last week. This week, if you listen to our DC Spotlight that came out yesterday, 17 books we talked about of the 19 books that DC put out, plus like six or seven collections. And there's tons of image stuff. There's tons of Marvel stuff. Like this is a heavy week. Uh, I can already hear my wallet crying. I think Jay's in the, in the same. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that being said, uh, as I mentioned, DC Spotlight yesterday, if you're looking for the DC books, go check out our DC Spotlight that came out yesterday. Uh, be warned that there are spoilers. We talk uh, character beats and character moments and plot line and all that. So um, this episode, as always, New Comics Wednesday will be spoiler free. Just uh, Jay and I will just talk about a few of the books we've had to read in general and, and give our thoughts about them. I'm going to kick it off with Captain America, Symbol of Truth. This is up to issue number five. This is one of two Captain America books that are coming out right now. And this one stars Sam Wilson. It's written by Tochi Oyebuchi. The art is by R.B. Silva and Julian Shaw. Letters by Joe Caramagna. Colors by Jesus Arbatov. It was teased last issue that we're going to have a fight between Sam Wilson and Black Panther. That's exactly what comes to pass in this issue. That's not a spoiler at all. It's very classically Marvel, and it happens in another book that we're going to, I'm going to talk about later as well, another Marvel book. So the reason behind the fight, it feels a little bit contrived, um, doesn't make complete sense. I'm not in in you know interest of full disclosure i'm not up on my wakandan politics and what's going on with black panther and shuri and all that kind of stuff and so maybe if i was this would make a little more sense but it just felt kind of forced um that being said the majority of this issue is more like kind of wrap up for this arc right for this smuggling ring that uh for vibranium that crossbones had set up from wakanda to the united states and um it, it it's very anticlimactic the way that's all resolved. It's almost resolved like off panel. You don't even see it. And then the majority of the issue is just a bunch of talking um, to kind of put the pieces in place going forward. So I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by the issue. I, I mean, I don't mind some talking head issues once in a while and give us some characterization and set things up to go forward. Um, but I like to at least see the resolution of the storylines and this was sort of like built up to be this big thing, the smuggling ring. Um, and there's still some threads of it uh, that still need to be resolved with this white wolf character that was introduced and what have you. But I don't know. I was just underwhelmed. It, it felt very, like I said, anticlimactic. But I suppose that uh, things are being set up, as I said, for, for future issues, some kind of confrontation between Captain America and uh, this white wolf by Onibuchi, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It sort of feels like this whole uh, first arc was set up to introduce the white wolf, cause a little friction between Sam Wilson and T'Challa, and then just have some moments with characters talking about how they feel, the state of affairs, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, a bit underwhelmed. Um, I can't help but compare this to the other Captain America book that's coming out right now, uh, the one by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly starring Steve Rogers that I'm enjoying just so much more. Um, so, you know, take that take that for what you will. Um, I mean, it's still worth reading, but yeah, I was just a little underwhelmed by this, uh, this issue. Uh, up next, I have Janice Bell, Captain Marvel's issue number three, written by Peter David. Juan and Ramirez is the artist, Frederico Blee on colors, Corey Petit on letters. This is one of the, I'm, I'm a huge Juan, uh, Juan and Ramirez fan. I got to say that right off. Um, that being said, he's one of those artists who needs an inker, right? It's clear that in this case, he didn't have an inker and Frederico Blee came in and just applied the colors right over the top of uh, kind of the raw pencils, which that can work for some people. And, and here's the thing, like I, I sort of doubt that Juan and Ramirez even knew that, even knew that there wasn't going to be an inker and it was going to go directly to colors. Cause I, I got to think he would have tightened up his pencils uh, a little bit. And Frederico Blee is a, is a colorist and some colorists, they may have the ability 
uh, or the talent to fill in for an inker, but some don't. I think it's unfair to um, to ask an inker to do that. So it, it just it kind of surprised me because I'm used to seeing really great art from uh, Juan and Ramirez, like really tight line work, and that's not what this issue had. And so, yeah, I was just, I wouldn't say I was disappointed in the art, but it just, it wasn't up to kind of the standard that I've come to expect from Juan and Ramirez. Um, so it, it's just something that I noticed. And like I said, I was a bit, I was just a little bit disappointed in it. Um, that's not to say the art's bad. I mean, the storytelling is still strong. Um, and I thought, you know, it, it worked on that level, but you know, when you're used to seeing a certain level of, of craftsmanship from somebody and then it changes, you, you have to, you know, like looking at this art going, wait, who, this is Juan and Ramirez, right? I expected to be blown away by his art because that's usually the case. But that wasn't the case on this, uh, this particular issue. So again, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. Maybe they had an inker, you know, lined up and it didn't work out. I mean, I have no way of knowing, but it's just, it's something that kind of pulled me out of the story because um, I you can't I couldn't help but notice that the um, that the art looked a little looser the line work looked a, a little looser than um, than what I'm used to seeing so uh, anyway the story itself uh, it was is still relatively interesting it's really uh, mining the history that Rick Jones has with Janice Vell and Captain Marvel's you know son slash clone slash whatever. And, and we get some history. Peter David is definitely diving into the history. He's mining that history. If you have a, a working understanding of that history, that's enough. Peter David kind of fills in the blanks. If you're a huge Genesville fan, you're going to get even more out of this because again, it has to do with Rick and his long history of the Marvel universe, his wife, Marlo, Genesville himself. Th this is a little bit of a down issue in terms of action. There's not a whole heck of a lot of action. It's a little bit of setup. Um, but we get uh, the, a new villain that shows up on the last page that is promising tons of action in the next issue. So uh, again, another book that I do recommend, but not one that totally blew me away. So, uh, all right. First up for Jay from Syzygy Publishing and Image. This, this title was originally over at uh, IEW when Chris Ryle was there. It's created and produced by Chris Ryle and Gabriel Rodriguez, and it's called Onyx. And this was um, sort of an homage to ROM Space Knight, which Chris Ryle's a giant ROM Space Knight fan, as uh, I am myself. Uh, and he, Chris has been on the show to talk ROM and other things in the past. Um, and this was before IDW got the license to actually create ROM or comics. Um, this Onyx was sort of uh, an homage to that. So, uh, but I don't think. Jay had ever read it before. What do you think, Jay? Oh, no, I never read that before. It was actually pretty fun, um, the, but it is 100 pages, so it will take you, I guess you get uh, your money's worth out of 100 pages, but it's fun. Um, no giveaways, but it's, you know, it's Onyx. Uh, she's a cyborg, and she's hunting down another uh, alien that's, uh, you know, going across the galaxy, you know, destroying uh, planets as it goes. It's uh, called a doom spore, and of course, you know, it's got to come to Earth, so that's when we get the... Uh, the adventures on earth but it's set in the future they really don't give you a timeline but you can tell by the equipment and the technology this is you know far in the future but uh it's fun uh it, it's uh it's bloody and it's uh you see a lot of portrayal of course because you know humans are humans but uh, it was a good it was a good story i liked it yeah i think it collects if i'm not mistaken it collects the the mini series that uh from i that was originally an idw uh, as I said, uh, of Onyx. And yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. It, it's, it is, you know, if you're a fan of ROM, you'll definitely enjoy it uh, because it, you know, it even say, it even says dedicated to Bill Mantlo and Sal Buscema, who were the creators of ROM that, that worked on it for, um, for a long, long time. So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, it, it's ROM, but a little bit more mature themes, like Jay said, lots of blood and, and action. So uh, if you are so inclined, check it out. Uh, all right. Up next, I have another Marvel book. It's Thunderbolts issue number two. Communication Issues is the title from writer Jim Zub. Sean Isaacs is the artist. Java Tartagila on colors. Joe Sabino on, uh, Sabino on letters. This book is just so much fun. Uh, if you're a fan of Matt Fraction, Hawkeye, kind of that humorous Hawkeye, you know, he's the leader of this version of Thunderbolts. 
been the leader of Thunderbolts before. America Chavez is part of the team. There's a new power man that's part of the team. Purple Girl is part of the team. Uh, they just recruited, uh, I think they call her Photon now. Monica Rambo used to be one of the uh, Captain Marvels. So she's a member of the team as well. And they get a new member in this issue. I won't spoil who it is. Um, but this is just a lot of fun. It's, it's you know, the first Thunderbolts series, Mark Bagley back in the day was the artist. And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Fabian, Fabian Nicieza that, that wrote it. And it was, it took itself so seriously, which it worked at that level, especially the reveal after the end of the first issue at the end and, you know, spoilers for a comic that's 30 years old at this point that it was the masters of evil, you know, uh, masquerading as heroes. Thunderbolts has had quite a few iterations since then, but it's always taken itself pretty seriously. And Jim Zub is not taking this. I mean, he's taking it seriously in as much as he's making a good comic, but this thing is infused with humor from start to finish. And I just enjoy it. Like it's a fun comic that doesn't take itself too seriously. And sometimes that's all that you want to read. So um, I do find it interesting too, because, and I talked about this on last week's episode that um, Hawkeye himself, he used to take him. He was a, a hero that took himself very seriously. And I don't know when it changed or why it changed, but you know, a lot of times he's played for a comedic effect these days and it sort of works. He's kind of found his niche doing that. Um, I don't know if I care for that version of Hawkeye as much as uh, kind of the more serious version but the thing is, as serious as he took himself and, you know, you know, idolized Captain America, tried to be a great leader, leader of the West Coast Avengers for a long time, he was never quite as capable as he wanted to be. So uh, he, he does work very well when you play him for a comedic effect. So uh, it's one of the things that Jim Zub is doing to, to great effect here. So uh, up next, I'll mention Stillwater number 15. We're definitely heading toward the end of the series. Written by Chip Zdarsky, drawn by co-creator Ramon Perez, Mike Spicer on colors, Russ Wooten on letters. There was a big reveal at the end of last issue that the so the town of Stillwater, if you're not familiar, for whatever reason, if you're with live within the town ban- boundaries, you cannot be killed. You don't age. If you're injured, you heal. And they decided to keep it a secret. All the uh, citizens of the town decided to keep it a secret. And there was a judge and a sheriff who kind of ruled the town with an iron fist in order to keep their secret from get, getting out because they were paranoid the government would come in and dissect them and all that sort of stuff. So throughout the series, it's been a very political series about kind of the toll that's taken on the citizens and decisions that were made and the town kind of rebelling against the judge and the sheriff and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's been um, some interesting changes that have happened in the leadership of the town and a surprise twist at the end of the last issue was they decided to annex the town next door, the town of Coldwater, because they felt they needed kind of an infusion of new citizenry to kind of have a fresh start. Well, you can imagine um, the citizens of this other town and, and basically what they did, there's like a map in the office of the mayor. And when they redrew the town boundaries, apparently whatever spell or magic or whatever's going on, you can change the boundaries, the city limit, uh, on this map and it, it changes the, the abilities uh, of who this affects. And so that's how they kind of annex this town of Coldwater. Again, that all happened last issue. So this issue, we see the effects of this other town being, uh, having this decision just kind of thrust upon them. So uh, again, very political book, very interesting. And I'm really curious to see how this all is going to wind up. Because as soon as it's over, I'm going to go back and reread the whole thing because I think reading it all in, in one sitting, is it's going to be even more enjoyable. So um, a very interesting book, one of those that makes you think, you know, what would I do? Uh, and also kind of be careful what you wish for, right? There's a lot of us that sort of wish, I wish I could live forever. Um, but those types of wishes, those types of things, you know, they come with consequences, maybe things that you didn't necessarily think about. And the, the, those are some of the things that Zadarsky and Ramon Perez are exploring. So pretty interesting. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay is the debut of a new series. It's called Flawed. It's written by Chuck Brown. The art is by Prenzy. Letters are by Becca Carey. Uh, I, so I have no idea what this is about. So give us an idea of what it's about and your thoughts on it. 
Oh, well, I was kind of looking forward to it. It's on my pull list. Um, it's focused around a psychologist. Her name is Jim Ease. It's E-Z-Z. I guess it's Ease. <laughs> but uh, she talks to her patients that dealt with trauma, like if they've been, uh, fans been hurt or they've been uh, part of a, a murder or anything like traumatic. But the thing about it is uh, the previous day, it's, it's kind of like a Punisher version because she gets information from her patients and she does some, uh, and she goes after these bad guys herself to, you know, seek out justice. So it's a nice little twist. I'm like, okay. So it kind of makes sense. She would know more, you know, about these, uh, the personal life of the killer and all this information. And that's how she hunts down these people. But in this one, um, like I said, there's no uh, spoiler because it says it in the preview that this time she comes across someone that's a villain, but they're uh, immortal. So that leads into, I guess, a, a bigger story. We're going to I guess we're going to see it play out, but it's uh, intriguing and it, the artwork's really good. So it's got so I'm, I'm on it for, for the long haul. It's a, it's a pretty good story. The, the artwork's uh, nice. It's not super detailed. But I just like how they focus more on the characters' facial expressions, and and that's the key thing. It's a little bloody. It's got some language, so it's more for adults. But it's uh, I like those kind of stories. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds interesting. You got me like that whole idea of okay, so people come in for therapy or terrible things that happen, and then the therapist is going out and getting revenge on their behalf. Yes, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. I might have to check that out. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, up next for me, also from Image, 8 Billion Genies. We're up to issue number five of eight on this. It's from co-creators Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Uh, obviously, Charles handles the writing, and Ryan Brown handles the art and the colors. Letters are by Chris Crank and Ryan Brown. This is just so much fun, right? The idea that on on G-Day, as they refer to it, Genie Day, Everybody on earth, all 8 billion people on earth get a genie and they're granted one wish. Like this genie will give them one wish and the world obviously just falls apart. And so I, you know, I've talked a lot about this book, about how big of a story it could be. You could go, this series could last forever with Charles and Ryan exploring the wishes, you know, 8 billion people make. You could have 8 billion issues. You could have more than 8 billion issues. Um, as you explore not only what people wish for, but why they wish for them. And so like, how do you, how do you tell the story in, in only eight issues? So they've done a fantastic job. The creators have done a fantastic job of giving us plot threads that give us the big overall scope of how big this is, but also keeping it intimate by in the first issue, introducing us to this group of people that are in this bar and the owner of the bar he he makes the wish right away as soon as he hears of what's happening that nothing that his bar you know the building that it's a standalone building the bar itself and the uh environment inside will not be affected by anyone else's wish um so it's a safe haven in a lot of ways and and that's how we sort of get the sort of intimate character moments and intimate reactions of of what's going on in the world is from these from these people that are, are living kind of in the safe haven. Uh, and some of them go out and go on adventures and, and that sort of thing. So it's a great balance of giving us the big scope of what's going on with the smaller kind of intimate details and how people are affected by this. So it's a, another one of those books. that's a fascinating thought experiment on, yeah. How, how would people react? You know, one of those books, once again, where you can't help but put yourself in the shoes of the people, um, that are in the story and think, you know, what would I do in that situation? Uh, we also have Department of Truth, number 21, from Image, written by James Tynan. Art is by Martin Simmons. Letters by Aditya Bidikar. Dylan Todd does the design. Um, it's hard to overstate how great this book is. It's another one of those titles that is really balancing two things. I mean, Tynan comes up with this idea of this department where they're out there trying to stop rumor and myth and innuendo because basically in the world of the department of truth, if enough people believe something, it comes to pass. Like you, you can convince people that we landed on the moon. If you show them footage created on a soundstage of us landing on the moon. And then if enough people believe we land on the moon, then history itself was rewritten and we actually land on the moon. You know, if enough people believe in Bigfoot, then Bigfoot is actually out there in the real world. If enough people believe in UFOs or little green men, then those actually manifest. Um, and so 
it's again a really big idea and this department of truth uh which is headed up by lee harvey oswald which was a crazy twist in the very first issue uh they sort of try to manage the beliefs that people have and obviously when the internet came around and shared myth and belief and making the world a smaller place things just exploded uh, but this Department of Truth, it goes back, you know, a long, long way. And even before it was a department of the U.S. government, a secret department, um, there were people, you know, kind of think of the Illuminati, that sort of thing, secret uh, organizations that were manipulating the world because they realized that this this could happen or this was happening in the world. Uh, so balancing that with uh, a guy who's recruited in the first issue to be a member of the Department of Truth named Cole and how becoming a member and having all these uh, secrets revealed to him how it affects his life personally um, and how these power brokers behind the scenes have been pulling the strings. So there's so many layers to this uh, and this particular issue, we're leaning more into the personal story of Cole and how it's affecting things um, because sometimes it's the issues are very sort of esoteric and deal with the Mothman or um, uh you know, UFOs or Bigfoot or, you know, these other, these other myths, Loch Ness monster, you know, whatever. Um, and so you don't get kind of the personal, it's, it, it's more of that big in scope story uh, and a chance for, um, for Tynan to explore cryptozoology as it's referred to the, the study of monsters, basically, as if they were real things like uh, real animals, like zoology. Um, but yeah, it feels like the story is, taking a more personal turn right now and it grounds it and it makes it more relatable and it's really getting good. So I, I highly recommend it. There's been times I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, Mothman and um, those kind of myths or whatever. So I can kind of take it with a grain of salt and just, I don't know, it's just, I, I'm such a skeptic. So I don't believe any of that stuff. Uh, UFO. I mean, I believe you, there's UFOs, extraterrestrials, cause that's more, you know, science fiction, but in terms of like Loch Ness monster or Bigfoot or any of that stuff, nah, I don't buy any of that. We would have, would have had um, concrete proof by now. Right. So maybe that's part of the reason that that stuff just doesn't interest me um, when the book goes that direction. But when it starts getting into like the actual politics and propaganda and manipulating people's thoughts and beliefs. Yeah. That happens every day. So that really interests me. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. We're up <laughs> to issue number 10. Uh, this is written by, oh, excuse me, Zeb Wells. We have a guest artist, Nick Dragota. Marcio Menez does colors. Joe Camerani on letters. This is a tie-in for Axe Judgment Day. And uh, everybody's seen the cover. Gwen Stacy's on the cover. So it's not a fake. She's there. She's in the issue. What do you think, Jay? It was interesting. Uh, like I said, when we first, I think we talked before, when we first saw it, it's like, I don't remember seeing Judge. I just remember seeing Gwen. I'm like, well, what's Gwen doing there? But it, it makes sense, though, because, you know, it's judgment. So, you know, what's what's Peter's, you know, thing that's been bugging him for a long time? Gwen. So it's, it's a fun issue. It's uh, got a lot of heart into the story. Um, the art's a little... I don't know. We're talking about too. His art was okay, but it's, I don't know. It's a Spider-Man. I expect a little better, I guess. You know, but it's still a good Spider-Man story. Uh, the time wasn't too terrible. Um, we see that uh, how Peter and other characters in that world of uh, Spider-Man are dealing with the judgment that's going to happen to him. Danny's kind of cool, kind of uh, heartfelt, I guess, because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. So I kind of feel for the for the guy. He kind of got some closure there. But uh, the last panel was the best panel. So it's like uh, the judgment's not done yet, I guess, in this world. So it's like, yeah. So I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> yeah, kind of interesting. For a second there, you think this could be the real true return of Gwen. Um, but then sort of don't. Uh, I mean, the fact that we have uh, Spider-Gwen, I mean, I never agreed with that. I always thought that Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy were the two characters that should never, ever be brought back. I know that the Gwen Stacy we have is not the true Gwen, but I still think it it diminishes her demise, if you will. Um, but yeah, interesting to see Zeb Wells clearly uh, in his world. This P Peter's never gotten over Gwen, which is, I, I suppose, that's relatable in a way. Um, a lot of us have, you know, lost loves, if you will. Um, it's clear Peter still carries that trauma around. So in a way, you're just like, dude, get over it, but. You know, he feels responsible because yeah. he's Spider-Man. So it definitely works on that level. 
Uh, all right. Up next, I have Lazarus Risen. We're up to issue number seven. This is from writer Greg Rucka, art by Michael Lark, colors by Santi Arcus, letters by Simon Bolin. I'm I'm so disappointed that this book only comes out quarterly now because it's so good. Now, granted, we get you know much more story. We get like 60 pages of story. So it ends up being more pages per year than if it was coming out monthly. But the weight between it sometimes is just like, oh man, I don't like waiting. Uh, and, and we granted we get the extra text pieces and whatnot. Um, but it, it's just, it's a testament to how good this story is. Uh, and in this one, it sort of feels like we're moving toward an end game, uh, at least with the Carlisle family and their, uh, their Lazarus, um, uh, and forever is their name forever. Carla, uh, and Lazari, they're sort of the, the avatars of these families. So in, in the world of Lazarus, I'll just talk about it real quick in case people aren't familiar. Um, in the future, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world. The world was falling apart, climate change and um, fascism and all that, so, you know, same stuff that we're dealing with. Um, and so the world was divided uh, among families after government sort of collapsed. These families are just, you know, giant. It's like, okay, what if the world that we lived in was divided up among like the, the Elon Musk family and the Jeff Bezos family and the Bill Gates family, you know, these, these families that, uh, have people that work for them and they're, they're almost indentured servants in a way or slaves, but in return for their labors and their, uh, efforts, the family agrees to protect them. And, uh, there, like I said, there are no governments and the, the families have the, uh, these agreements called the Macau Accords on how they deal with it, with each other and, um, how they settle disputes and what have you. And, and one of the ways they settle disputes is to, to have their avatars, their, um, kind of the height of their military, physical, and intelligent powers are all kind of combined in these these Lazari, that these trained warriors. And that's the way they sometimes solve disputes. Or when families go to war, you know, these Lazari are the ones that are sort of le- leading the the forces, if you will. So Forever Carlisle is the the Lazarus of the Carlisle family. And this whole story has been about her and what she's learned about herself. And um, so it, it feels like we're starting to get to the end game of the Carlisle family, the story of the Carlisle family. That's not to say that this series couldn't continue uh, focusing on, on the Lazarus from a different family. Um, but this is just so good. The complexity of the world, the scope of the world, the reality, the realism that Rucka and Lark bring to this is really something special. Um, and there's a lot of backstabbing. I mean, if you like Game of Thrones, this is like, you will love this series. You know, think of it as like a, a futuristic Game of Thrones. And there's not technology that's like super far-fetched. A lot of the stuff they have here is stuff that we have in our own, you know, modern day. Um, there's a little bit of like genetic manipulation and um, these uh, heads of the family are able to extend their life. So there's a little bit of um, science fiction to it, but uh, politically, uh, as I said, very Game of Thrones, very um, interesting, uh, the choices people make and moral gray areas and all that. So it gets my highest possible recommendation. Every time I read it, I just immediately want more. Um, I think I've reread the whole series five or six times now because I, what will happen is I'll get one of these quarterly issues that come out. I'm like, oh, this is so good. I want more. I, I can't have the next issue yet. I'll just go back and reread the earlier issues. So uh, definitely recommended. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we have a one shot that ties into the uh, Axe Judgment Day event that's going on. It's uh, Axe Avengers number one from writer Karen Gellin. Federico uh, Vicente is the artist. Dean White on colors. Corey Petit on letters. What do you think? It's, uh, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was kind of misleading, though, because... <laughs> I won't give it away, but it says Avengers. I remember it says Avengers. It says uh, X-Men and Eternals. Yeah, you really don't get everybody, but it, that's okay. Uh, it, it seems like the story focuses on one character specifically from the Avengers. Um, like you said, it's a tie-in. It's, it's, this team works together to go into the Celestial to try to like uh, find a, a loophole, I guess, inside the working organs of the and, and uh cilantro but it's it's cool it's fun um the, the avenger has to do a lot of uh personal trauma and um i guess self-doubt 
it was kind of cool because, you know, the, he figures out that, you know, that uh, they have a chance to win because, you know, that's, that's the way humans work. You know, we, we figure things out and we know we got to rebound and, and work, for, you know, work to uh, make things better. So it was interesting uh, story. It was, uh, I guess, a good tie in. But uh, like I said, it's not really a bunch of Avengers, as they say. <laughs> yeah, it really ends up feeling like a, a Tony Stark story. Yeah. Anything else? Um, which again, I mean, he is an Avenger. He's a, a very um, integral part of the team. I'll say, right? Like he he's a founding member. So I didn't mind that it just focused on him. Um, I like some of the things that it was kind of establishing about Tony, because um, I mean he's been around. Tony's been around for so long, and stories of him, like he's had a certain set of parents, then he had a different set of parents, then he was adopted, then he was an orphan, then he was an alien, then he was in a, you know, artificial intelligence. It's like, sometimes it's okay to stop adding to the origins of characters, make it overly complicated. So yeah, just kind of leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. Inter- interesting. What, what the story has to say about the origin of Tony. But so. it was kind of funny though. There's some comedy in there. Cause you know, some of the X-Men characters are like, well, yeah, I was an Avenger. Well, so was I. So I was like, yeah. so he wasn't really alone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I wonder about a Tony, like Tony Stark, Jean Grey relationship. We know Tony loves his redheads. That would yeah. be interesting. That would yeah. be really, that would be really interesting. So we'll see. Uh, all right. <laughs> Up next for me, Miles Morales, number 42, Book of Fate. This is from writer Saladin Ahmed. Carmen Canero, Paris Aline, Iguara, Paco Medina, Walden Wong, uh, Aletha Martinez, Nachia Bustos, and Christopher Allen are all listed as artists. David Curiel does colors, Corey Petit on letters. Uh, the way they make all those artists work is um, Miles is getting his fortune read, tarot cards. Um, and so a lot of the different artists handle different aspects of the, of the cards as, as miles is getting his fortune read. Um, so it's a, the story feels a little bit disjointed, but solid Med does a good job of, of making it flow as best he can. Uh, this is his final issue on the series and it's actually the final issue of the series, uh, which is a little disappointing. I've really enjoyed solid Med uh, and the characterization he's brought to miles Morales. I mean, it was the first time anybody wrote Miles, um, besides Brian Michael Bendis, who co-created him with Sarah Pacelli. So um, it's sad to see him go. The other thing that's disappointing is that, of course, because we're getting a new creative team on Miles, Marvel, of course, has to give us a new number one. So there's no Miles Morales issue in October, and there's no Miles Morales issue in November. But then in December, we get a new team uh, writing uh, and drawing um, Miles, Cody Ziegler is the writer. Uh, Federico Vis- Vincentini is the artist. And he, like, he was the artist that we just had, uh, that we just, the book we were just talking about, uh, Avengers, uh, number one, Acts Avengers number one. I, I got to say, I wasn't a big fan of his art there. It was very loose. So I don't know how well I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I've been really enjoying what Carmen Canero, followed by Christopher Allen, have been doing on, on Miles. So, I probably won't enjoy the looser line work. Um, so all that being said, does this issue feel like a, a good send-off for Solomon Med? Yes and no. Like there's a lot of emotion in it. And because of all these different aspects of the tarot reading that Miles is having, it does give Solanina Solanina Med a chance to comment on a lot of the different aspects of of uh, miles as a character. So I enjoyed that. But at the same time, it's like, this has been such a great run by Saladin. I almost wish that it was a more action filled issue with miles going up against somebody, uh, you know, really powerful. Um, that being said, he, there is a little bit of action. There's a, a super villain, if you will fight at the end. And it's also very sort of uh, appropriate who he ends up fighting at the end. It sort of bookends with who he fought in the beginning uh, of this run. So I did enjoy it. Um, And Saladin has a little essay in the back talking about his time on miles. That is very heartfelt. And clearly he still has a lot of um, feelings about the character. And uh, this is really, you know, he talks about it being his, his first kind of big book that he was on and, and how much he will treasure his time on it. So uh, that was great to hear from Saladin and, 
and give his feelings on on the run. Um, I'm like I said, I'm I'm sad. I'm disappointed that he's not going to be on the book. Uh, I said his run was fantastic. I really really enjoyed it. Um, I know I've read stuff by Cody Ziegler before, but not a ton of stuff. What is interesting is the most recent thing Cody Ziegler did was the What If Miles, uh, and we all know how well the What If Miles Morales was Thor. Uh, book went over. I, I mean, it was a debacle and ended up being a sought after book because it was so bad and such a joke that it like garnered um, press in a way uh, for the, the awful um, slang and uh, kind of eubonics that people were, were speaking with uh, it, 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 dialects and whatnot. It, it was just, it was, it was so bad. I couldn't read it. Um, and he's the one that's going to be taking over miles. So I, I'm a little worried. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm a little worried. So we'll see how it all plays out. I'm sure. We'll be talking about the issues when they come out. And the other thing is, you know, that new miles Morales, Spider-Man number one is going to have about, I'm um, no exaggeration. I'll say, well, I'll say 15 covers. Um, and I would say more, but it feels like Marvel has slightly been, limiting the number of retailer exclusives, uh, especially that time of year, Christmas time. I don't think they'll get a ton of retailer exclusives. So I'm going to say 15, but if there was 50 covers, that wouldn't surprise me either, you know? So, but if it was a, a new number one for Peter Parker, Spider-Man, then yeah, we're going to say 50 for sure. But for miles, I'm going to say, I'm going to say conservatively, I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to say 15 covers, which is just, again, insane enough with the covers guys uh anyway on to the last book that jay's going to talk about in detail highly anticipated at least for us because we're big fans of declan shelby it's called old dog declan is writing he's drawing uh it's lettered by clayton cowles and it's a it's an interesting start what do you think jay it's good. If you, like uh, you were saying, he's a, he's a good writer, but if you're not used to his writing style, you're going to be like, what's going on? Because he does a lot of back and forth with, uh, I guess, the timelines. He doesn't really explain timeline. He just kind of throws it out there and let the reader kind of figure out for yourself. But uh, I'm used to it. I guess you are, too. So we're, we kind of get it. But uh, the main character is uh, Jack Lynch, and uh, apparently he's like a disgraced CIA officer. I mean, he's apparently like in his over 50, but he's still active because uh, I guess he did a lot of dirty deeds for the CIA, so they can't really let him go, but there was a mission he did in the past that didn't go so well, but so he always gets like uh, little crappy details and people that work with him are like, hey, why are we doing this? He's like, well, if we're here because it's a crappy detail, so I'm on it. So like, oh, okay. <laughs> so if you get stuck with him on a mission, you know it's going to be an unwanted uh, job. Uh during one of his uh, little stakeouts in this, something goes awry. Um, we kind of get an idea of what happened to uh, the mission that kind of changed his whole career around. But again, it goes back and forth with the time. So it goes in the past. So when he was doing the mission, then it goes into the, the present. And then we know something bad in the accident. Uh, well, he wasn't supposed to be there, but he was there. So he gets the opportunity to work for the feds again, but in a different level. So he jumps on the chance to do that. And uh, he gets a new partner. Don't want to give it away because I was not expecting that to even remotely be an option for a partner. But I was like, okay, so we'll see what the backstory is with that. And apparently, because of his accent, he's got other abilities that I guess we'll find out more about down the road. But uh, I'm on it. I like the story. The artwork's good. And um, I'm going to check out and see what happens next. But I'm on it. I'm definitely on this uh, title for sure because it's just very intriguing. And I kind of like that CIA type stories. And this one seems like it's going to be kind of a fun ride. Yeah, I sort of saw who his partner is. I sort of saw that coming. I don't know why I expected it, but I, I did. And then when it happened, I was like, yeah, yeah, I figured that. Uh, I do agree with you about it. it can be a little confusing and it jumps around a little bit, which uh, like you mentioned, you and I are sort of used to it. That this whole idea of time, <laughs> this time it's not time travel, like time before time, which is another Declan Shelby co-written book. Um along with Rory McConville, but you know, this does jump back and forth in, in the timeline of, of Lynch. And so it, it's an interesting start, but at the same time, I, I would like Declan at some point, just give me a story where time runs linear. You know, you start at a, and you go to B <laughs> and stop making me work so hard for the story. And um, like, I get it. You, you want to have the stories be 
mysterious and compelling and and have secrets and and things people want to figure out so they keep coming back but it's not always fun to be trying so hard to figure out what's going on sometimes i don't want to i mean as much as i always say i like comics that make me think sometimes i sometimes i do like to shut my brain off and just enjoy it just have the story i don't want to say spoon fed to me because you're always has a reader you're always going to bring something to it uh your own life experiences and how you relate to the characters um but I like it laid out a little easier for me to understand, right? Where I'm not like having to flip back through or reread or try, you know, to exercise my brain to figure out what's going on. You can Especially still have a, a new great, book. <laughs> yeah. Or you, you can still have a great book that that's not, you know, mysterious. Um, and the last book I'll talk about, Sins of the Black Flamingo, number four, is a perfect example of that. Written by Andrew Wheeler, Travis Moore gives gorgeous art as always. Like the art in this book is stunningly good. The Colors by Tamara Bondalon, uh, also just absolutely amazing. I did you bit a car on letters. Um, the book is just, just amazing. And it, it's the story of this thief named the Black Flamingo, who kind of a Robin Hood-ish character who, uh, you know, robs from the rich and, and gives to the poor, namely himself, mostly. Um, and he kind of lives in a moral gray area, if you will. But he's aware of the kind of the supernatural um background behind so many things uh people living a really long time artifacts of black magic all that sort of thing and in the first issue of the series he discovers what appears to be an angel who's being held captive by this really despicable guy that he was planning on robbing anyway and he ends up freeing the angel and it it brings this guy's wrath down upon him it brings some other almost like white supremacist like group out after him in this particular issue, issue four, everything is kind of laid out who all the players are, why people are after the angel, what powers the angel can, uh, can give what benefit he can give to, to the people that control him. So it's a, uh, it's a really fun book. There's not, you know, a heck of a lot to the story in terms of, uh, of mystery. Uh, once you get into by issue, end of issue two, issue three, um, it's all sort of laid out. So it's exactly what I was just talking about. Um, a book where it's the, the mystery is not dragged on and on. And um, if you haven't been reading it, you can pick up issue four and know exactly what's going on. Not that I would recommend picking up issue four without picking up one, two, and three. You want to pick up one, two, and three uh, just to enjoy the gorgeous Travis Moore art, if nothing else. So issue five is the the final part of this story. I do hope it comes back for a second volume with more stories of, of these characters because uh, especially the black flamingo, cause he's very interesting. Um, he has a friend who's a witch and then a, another friend who's uh, like a golem, an actual real golem from like Jewish mythology, you know, made out of clay and um, it brought to life and what have you. So I would definitely read more, especially if it's, with Travis Moore art, no pun intended, um, because it just, the book is gorgeous. Like this is one of the best looking books uh, that has come out in this year, probably in the last couple of years. I mean, Travis Moore is just let, let loose. Um, now uh, I don't know Andrew Wheeler personally. I, I don't know anything of him other than reading this. I'm going to assume that he's gay uh, because, uh, and I think Travis Moore is as well. Because when you talk about a lot of these characters that, like I said, they're gorgeous, beautiful men with, uh, you know, really well sculpted bodies. I'll put it that way. Um, and so in that way, it's sort of eye candy, you know, like think about back in the nineties with all the bad girl books where, you know, it was all these scantily clad women, somewhat scantily clad men here. Um, and so I imagine for a certain segment of readership, they're probably like, uh, you know, this is their version of, of bad girl uh, if you will, I, I myself am not gay. Uh, you probably all know if you listen to this podcast, but that doesn't bother me. Uh, I mean, when we look, talk about you know, Superman or Batman or, you know, any of those characters, they're all sculpted as well. They just happen to be covered. There's a lot of shirtless guys here. So um, I just want to say that not because it's a big deal or that it bothers me, but it might bother some people. So just know that if that's something you think is going to bother you, you know, I don't want you coming back to me going, why'd you recommend this book and you know gay blah 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 whatever I, like it doesn't bother me i don't care it's a good story it's gorgeous art i do recommend it but if you don't like that stuff then you probably uh you, well you probably would go to the comic shop look at the cover and be like man this is not something i would enjoy so i do enjoy it um because it's a fantastic story and it's gorgeous art so just uh 
just want to put that out there. Uh, all right, let's give a rundown on some other books that you might want to be on the lookout for today. Uh, Ablaze has Promethe 1313 number three. I still need to get caught up on that series. Again, I, I mentioned this before. I think I thought it was a, a, uh, a comicsology exclusive. And I, I talked to, um, I talked to the writer and said, I, I have my comicsology unlimited. How come it's not on there anymore? He, and he's Andy Diggles, the writer. And he's like, I, I thought it still was. And then I, I never followed up with him. But uh, anyway, it's now out in print by Ablaze. And uh, I do recommend checking it out. From Aftershock, Hell is a Squared Circle. One Shot is out this week. Um, over at Boom, a lot of great books. Briar, number one of four. That's some writer Christopher Cantwell. New version, a dark version of Sleeping Beauty, if you will. Uh, Grim from friend of the show, Stephanie Phillips. Uh has its uh, fifth issue that is out today. That has been a really fun story about this uh, this woman who, through no choice of her own, becomes a Grim Reaper after she dies. So I do recommend that. House of Slaughter is up to issue number nine um, over at DC. And again, you can hear all about these on our DC Spotlight from yesterday. Action Comics number 1047. Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five of eight. Batman Fortress, number five of eight. Batman the Audio Adventures, number one. Black uh, Blood, sorry, Blood Syndicate, season one, number five of six. DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, number one of six. That's written by uh, Ash himself. Why am I drawing a blank? Bruce Campbell. Uh, he's the one that's writing that. Edward Riso does the art. DC Mech, number three of six. DC versus Vampires, number nine of 12. That story really feels like it's building toward a big ending. Uh, Deathstroke Incorporated, number 13, from writer Ed Brisson, telling uh, Deathstroke year one. Detective Comics, number 1064. Harley Quinn, number 22. It's right there on the cover, Who Killed Harley Quinn? Uh, trying to solve that mystery. Uh, Human Target, number seven of 12. Human Target returns for its second volume after a, a few months break. Picked right up where it left off. Best book, bar none, that has come out this year. That book is amazing. Highest possible recommendation. Uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes, number six of six, brings that series to a close. Nice House on the Lake, number uh, 10 of 12, also a really, really great book. Uh, Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, number six, is out. Superman Space Age, number two of three, from writer Mark Russell, art by Malk. Mike Allred, Task Force Z, number 12 of 12, uh, really a, a two-faced slash uh, Red Hood story comes to a conclusion. We have the debut of Tim Drake Robin. Uh, that's from writer Megan Fitzmartin. And that does it for the DC books. Again, go listen to our DC Spotlight if you want to hear more about those books. Over at Image, in addition to the books we already talked about, Brigade, number one from Rob Liefeld. Now, this is Brigade number one, same book that came out in the 90s. It's a remastered edition. So basically what that means is each page is recreated with a new artist. So if you own Brigade number one, which unfortunately I do, uh, just so this 90s bad comic, like nothing else I can say about. It. But anyway, you look at this remastered version, it's the same book. Like the art looks the same as far as like the layouts, they look the same. But instead of all of the pages being drawn by Rob Liefeld, each comic page in the new remastered version is by a different artist. So I flipped through it and I was like, man, bad flashbacks to the original Brigade. It's not something I, I would really be interested in, but maybe if you're a big Liefeld fan, you might want to check it out. Um, I hate this place. Number five, really, really great issue of that um, mysterious story about women who inherit a farmhouse and find out it's haunted um, magic order three number three of six it's, it's volume three number three of six from uh, mark miller is also out scorch number 10 that's the spawn team up book uh, over at marvel in addition to the books we talked about ant-man three of four that's kind of the the ant-man through time with different versions of ant-man um, different multiversal versions or variants i guess marvel calls them um, from Al Ewing. Uh, there's also Damage Control, number two of five. Uh, Defenders Beyond, number three of five from Al Ewing. Really, th that book is really weird. I couldn't get into it, but th th this third issue focuses on uh, Jean Grey Phoenix. 
a, a beyond version of Jean Grey Phoenix, if you will. Um, Fortnite X Marvel Zero War, number five of five. I fell off that book. It just didn't hold much interest for me. I'm not a Fortnite player. And it was a very, it's a good story for new readers, I think. It's very new reader friendly, but there's not a lot of depth to the characters. Um, so I kind of fell off. Uh, Gambit number three of five is also out. We've got uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number three from Gene Luen Yang. Star Wars Dr. Afra number 24. Thor number 27 from Donnie Cates and Al Ewing. And finally, X-Men number 15, if you are uh, so inclined to check that out. Uh, and I think that's it. What else do you have to add, Jay? Uh, no, that's pretty much it, too. But I'm looking forward to the Briar because I just kind of like the that, that concept. And, of course, Grimm, like you said, it's, it's one of my favorite books right now. I look forward to that a lot, too. Yeah, I guess I should also mention Shadow Service has returned um, with issue number 15. That's by Kevin Scott and Corin Howell. Um, we talked to Kevin about it when he was on our show. It's it's kind of um, this idea of kind of a, an FBI or a CIA, but this group just deals with supernatural stuff. So it's not the most um, original concept, um, but instead of being the Secret Service, it's the Shadow Service, so all, almost like X-Files, um, but everything is supernatural rather than anything being sci-fi. Um, and it is an interesting uh, book because the, the main character, she's pulled into the shadow service involuntarily. Like she has some limited magical ability and they kind of recruit her. The shadow service kind of recruits her and forces her to work for them. So she's um, not exactly happy about it, but uh, it's a good series. I do recommend it. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you joining us as always. Hope you have a great new comic book day and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.